This is the voice of Carnage, and you are listening to Carnage Cast. Hi, everyone. This time out, we're talking with Mark Edwards, uh, 7th CGM and creator of the Heroes of Altamira Living Campaign. Hi, Mark. How are you? Doing good. Good. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, we're glad to have you here. So, what is 7th C? Uh, 7th C is, uh, well, not to toot their horn too much, but the greatest swashbuckling role-playing game in existence, bar none. That's a tall bill to fill. It, it is. It is. It's a system designed by John Wick. I don't, I don't know if you know or are familiar with any of his uh, Wicked uh, Dead uh, game company. But this was, uh, this was actually a game that he... It was popular enough that he was able to start his own company and left AEG soon after he'd started this. So it's basically it's a system designed around the idea that in swashbuckling movies, the good guys never die. They get hurt, they get beaten up, but they don't... They never die off. At the very onset of this game, they say, your character can't be killed, so do crazy things that you wouldn't normally try to do because you would get hurt. Right. So this is all emulating cinematic swashbuckling. Exactly, exactly. So is this uh, tied to a particular time period or place, or is it buckling swashes wherever? Or is it swashing bucklers? Uh, (laughs) Well, it could be either. Um, And it's... The game is really designed around the idea that it can be that swashbuckling movies can be anywhere. You know, the the Three Musketeers is swashbuckling. So is uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. So we have we have pirate characters and we have nobles and gentlemen and evil villains. You know, the, not just evil villains, but the mustache twirling villains. The ones that the GM can really ham up on. Exactly. Exactly. The world itself is tied heavily into the game. You could, I guess, theoretically certainly use it for, say, Europe of, of our own history, but really what they've done is they've taken all of the greatest little bits of history for each of the nations of Europe and said, let's just let's cut out the boring stuff and just go straight for the what's going to be the most dramatic aspects of this. So for the fourth... Uh, Thais Montaigne, who are the the French, essentially, we have the beginning of the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. For the English, which is uh, Thais uh, Avalon, it's King Arthur combined with Queen Elizabeth. For the for the Spaniards, or Thais Castile, it's the Inquisition running rampant through the through the countryside. Mm-hmm. And so on. I mean, it's just all the best parts of history kind of chopped up and put together. Mm-hmm. It's Europe's, Europe's greatest hits. Yes, exactly. And they're all sort of thrown together to, to maximize the opportunity for adventuring and swashbuckling. Yes. Okay. Is Was there something in particular about the, the setting that attracted you, or was it the genre? Um, You know, it was... I liked the genre a lot, but really it was... It was reading the books. I got all of the books pretty much back to back in a, in a space of about a month and couldn't put them down. I read every single book that, that they had at the time and said, wow, this is, just, this is just amazing. It's got this great meta plot that, well, I often say to people, you can play this without the meta plot and you won't not be playing 7th C. So you can play small adventures, you can play large adventures, you can save the world, you can just save 
yourself, yourselves. Mm-hmm. It's all seventh C, and it all is. I've seen it run fantastically in any direction. Yeah, and Seven C sort of came out in that meta plot era, didn't it? Where it seemed like every game had to have that developing world. Yes, yeah, and they did try to uh, to develop the world after the after the initial what, seven books of the of each nation. They tried to to all the initial seven books were in the year sixteen sixty eight, mm-hmm. and they tried to do sixteen sixty nine book a sixteen seventy book, and it kind of went weird there at the end, but right. it, that tends to happen with these games. So for most of my campaigns, I will put them in a specific time period where there's something that I want to have happen there or some story that's already been told and I want to weave something in between it. So it sounds like on both sides of the table, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, consideration for the narrative and what's appropriate for how things to go instead of leaving it up to the dice or, People have to make intentional choices to kill someone or bring a character back or something like that. And even small things. Um, in those in those great swashbuckling movies, there will be that moment where the hero has to, to pick the lock on the door or the, or the bad guy's going to get away. So he says, geez, if only somebody would have left some lock picks like right over the... Oh my God, that's a set of lock picks. And they pick it up and they... That kind of thing happens in this game. It's, it's encouraged. Mm-hmm. So if I, as a game master, say, okay, you're all in a tavern and, uh, and a fight breaks out, you know, the, the classic, um, but there's a big crowd of people, so you can't get from where you are to wherever the, the bad guys are that you want to get to. And that's all I've described. Mm-hmm. You, can, uh, you can, as a player, say, well, gosh, that beautiful chandelier that's, uh, that's hanging down there, I bet I could probably jump and swing across that to get to the other side. Right. Suddenly, there's a chandelier in the room. Well, of course there was. It's always been there. Oh, yeah. No, is that like a, is that a sort of like a drama point mechanic or is it purely uh, based on the inspiration of the players? Purely inspiration. As long as it doesn't, uh, they they say as as a game master, if it's, you want to reward their creativity. Yeah. Because you want them to be just as involved in writing the story as you are. I mean, obviously, they're they're not going to be because I've, I've written all of this stuff for them to, to do that would be a lot of work for them. But I want them to be as involved as they possibly can be. I want them to love this this world that we're going to create together as much as I do. If I do my job right, when when the last adventure is over, every one of the players will say, is that all there is? Can't we go back and do one more adventure? I liken it to uh, Bill Watterson stopping writing uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Right. We all wish that he would have done more, but we're so glad that he did it and stopped it in his own time. That is the kind of that's the kind of ending that I would dream to have. Yeah, because he 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 had the presence of mind to say, okay, th- this is a good time to stop. And exactly. And so that's why when we get to my campaign, I've already outlined the whole campaign. I know how many episodes it will take to get from beginning to end. I know who the bad guys are. I know what they're going to do. There are certainly surprises along the way, and we could talk about some of the the surprises that they've already thrown at me, but I I want them to be able to say, that was fantastic, and I'm so upset that I don't get to play in that campaign anymore, but I'm so glad that I got a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. Before we get into the campaign uh, that you run, 
are there are there any other particular elements of the Seven C system that are re- really uh, emphasize and enhance the swashbuckling action of it? Well, um, I'll give you a great example. Uh, on many other games, you will have oftentimes you'll have miniatures, you'll have a a mat that has hexes or squares, and you know that this particular character can walk X number of hexes per turn that they get. And once they've reached that maximum, they're done. Mm -hmm. 7C doesn't have that. You can move as far as is dramatically appropriate for the situation, as long as you stay on a level playing field. If you go up the stairs, if you climb down a ladder, then you're going to slow down. But if you're running, you run as far as I need you to. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it has that kind of sizes change. The bad guys show up or disappear depending on how tough uh, I need them to be. You watch a great swashbuckling movie, a, a great uh, the Three Musketeers, the Disney version. Mm-hmm. I know some people complain about that, but it really is a very uh, an excellent example of a swashbuckling movie. They're running down the uh, down the stairs at the end where the where the cardinal's men are trying to stop them, mm-hmm. and every time they step, they take a swing at somebody and they drop. And it isn't until they get to the cardinal that the fight takes longer than one swing. Right. Seven C designs three different levels of opponents and allies. At the very top end, there are the heroes and the villains. They are the toughest ones. They are the ones who can you know, take several hits before being crippled and then can fight until they're twice as much damage to unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. Below them are the henchmen. They fight half as long. Where a hero would be crippled, they'll be unconscious. And then at the very, very bottom, there are my favorite, the brutes. Ah. You hit them once, they go down. They don't get to make soliloquies. They... Uh, often are stupid and you don't have to roll damage. You can actually hit more than one of them in one attack. So it's, it's the mob of mooks. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and designed around the idea that you can mow through them like they're grass. Mm-hmm. Heroes of Ultimere is your living campaign. What's, uh, what's the basic premise for people coming into this? Ooh, you're a hero and you are um, depending on probably really, depending on your own reasons, you have decided Altamira is the place to go. Some people have used their background as the reason that they're going there. As a matter of fact, most of the of my vested Minyavinyar contingent have, in fact, come down here because of some background that they need to resolve. Mm-hmm. Many of the people that play, um, in general, what I would love them to do is come up with their own reason for, for being here in Altamira. Again, I... I I want to stress the, I want you to be as involved in this campaign as you possibly can be. Mm-hmm. You tell me why you're here, and I will weave it into the story for for you. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a secret reason for some people who take a special, you know, like, I can't give any more detail, but for certain people, there is another reason I just can't go into it until you happen to be that special person. And okay. you won't know at the beginning if, if it's you. Yeah, no. Pe- these people don't even know. It's just they happen to choose the right set of words, and you're like, "Oh, you're one of those." Yes, exactly. Okay. So, the, uh, you mentioned Altamira. That's the city this uh, this living campaign is based in, right? Yes. Yes. And where is that in Thea? Well, 
Thega is pretty much a Europe with the serial numbers filed off of it. So Castile, which is Spain, is in the southwestern portion of the of the continent. Mm-hmm. Altamira is the in the northeast corner of the southwest portion. So it's almost Portugal. Uh, no, 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 other way around. Yeah, yeah, the other, other side. side. Uh, where would it be? Uh, the French border? Yeah, the French border. <clears throat> but in this particular case, it's actually at the border of France, Germany, uh, Italy, and Spain. Oh. Because in, in this world, they kind of meet very close to one another, which fits very well in with what the city is. The city is a trade port. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had mentioned earlier that there are 75,000 people. Only 25,000 of them are natives. Most of the rest are there trading, are there are the foreigners moving from place to place. So I, I really basically just picked it because it was a very cosmopolitan small town. Right. There's an excuse for everyone to come there. Yeah. It, it turned out to be absolutely the perfect place for the for the idea that I had. And the more that I looked at it, I went, oh, there's no place else that I could have put it. But it just, it was coincidence to, at the beginning, but, uh, but kismet. Convenient. Serendipitous. Yes, serendipitous. You mentioned before this is, this is uh, the campaign's a 24-episode arc, right? Yes, yeah. So in the beginning, you ha- you, you've got your, I imagine you have your introductory episodes. Yep. We're yep. getting people into it. The very first episode is, you haven't even reached the city yet. You're just on your way there. And by amazing coincidence, you kind of put yourself right into the center of the very beginning of something that's happening that's much larger, and I'm pretty sure that none of my players have yet figured it out, but get have, at least have the sense that we've, we've kind of stepped in it. <laughs> Which is another trope of, of swashbuckling, is that the good guys always happen upon the bad guys doing bad guy things, and go, oh, I, I was just going to go home and have a sandwich, but instead I'm going to be defeating this villain and saving the world. Well, that sounds much more fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you're you're inveigling players before they've uh, before their heroes have even gotten to figure out who they are, or their heroes have figured out who they're with or what they're going to do when they get to Altamira. Exactly, exactly. In the broad strokes, where does it go from there? Now, right now, what we're doing is I'm kind of introducing the major players. Uh, the events are are sim- some of them are showing things to come. Some are introducing the characters that they'll need to know. Some are introducing the villains that they'll be just waiting to kill. Uh, as a matter of fact, they, uh, one, of the, one of the currently released one has one of the major villains in it. And I am proud to say that from the first words out of his mouth, I've had players say, I just can't wait to kill this guy. The highest compliment as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, he sounds well positioned. Oh. <laughs> so where are you in in this twenty four episode arc right now? Uh, and how long has how long has this campaign been going on? Uh, this is year two, okay. uh, so we're actually only up to episode four. All right, a new hope. So, huh? Episode yeah. four, a new hope. <laughs> I don't think it's named that, but I probably should have. That would have been funny. <laughs> so this is a this, this is just getting underway, and uh, oh yes, yeah, and and at this point. Even even up to next year, you probably could, uh, you definitely, if you were, if you were thought the the campaign was was worth your time, you could play through all six episodes and be right caught up with the people that started playing 
last year. Mm-hmm. This early on in the arc, your 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 big players are still emerging. Oh yes, yeah. But you you know where it's all going to wind up. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. It's uh, one of my bad guys. He makes mention of uh, of going to meet at a tree to to have some words, really a duel against him. Mm-hmm. The players decided that they didn't like the fact that he had the tree, so they actually went and cut it down. <laughs> So now it's a stump. So I have to I have to actually go back into one of the the adventures that's already written and write rewrite it as a stump because because it's been destroyed. So it really is living in that the, the choices they're making are going to have an effect on what happens further down. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, if they if they end up killing my bad guys, I'm going to have to come up with something else. So. But your fingers are crossed. Well, this is not one of those games where you just you you know he's a bad guy and so they walk up and hack him with a sword there's law and you have to prove it and there's evidence and all that stuff and and in general again you are a hero which means you need the proof that he's doing something bad Mm -hmm. you may know that he's doing something bad we all know because frankly he pretty much says I'm doing bad stuff I dare you to find out they're gonna need incontrovertible proof before they can and not even kill him but they can stop him and bring him to justice what's your primary goal for this campaign what do you want to get out of heroes of ultimary yourself myself yeah i would very much love it uh, if if every player or if some of the players like if one player said this is the greatest game i've ever played that would that would be worth it to me mm-hmm. as far as what the players will get out of it um, I, I think there's only re- really one place you can go with any swashbuckling game. They have to save the world. Mm-hmm. If they don't save the world, it's kind of a moot point. There's no small potato swashbuckling. Yes, exactly. Go big or go home. So, you know, just from a, I guess, a practical logistics perspective, what, how's the reaction been to the first uh, four episodes? Something that I see happen, that I've watched happen every, both years of this, is that... I will see at least half a dozen people say, well, I'm here at the convention, and I planned on doing this game and that game and the other game, but I can't wait until next year to find out where this goes, so I'm going to have to cancel those games and sit at your table for the rest of the week. What? Yeah, it's, it's happened to me a lot. So, and I have, like, we've got this website where people can get on board and, and tell about their characters, talk about their backgrounds, just meet with other players. I've got a section for, for speaking in character. So if you want another hero to help you with something, by all means ask. I've got 37 players sitting on that of the, what, 60 or so that I've, of the 60 people, half of them are already on this website talking to one another. Mm-hmm. This is guild so, of San Marcos.net. Yes, yes. Yes, everybody should go there immediately. <laughs> that would be wonderful. I sure appreciate it. Oh, and while we're talking about this, I've had so many people complain. Why, do you, why is it guild of San Marcos.net if it's the heroes of Altamira? It's because when I write, I do not have the capacity to write a single adventure that doesn't go anyplace. It is simply impossible for me to do that. Mm-hmm. So while I am working on this campaign, which I have another, what, 
nine years to write. I am currently working on a sequel campaign that has nothing to do with the first one. Oh, good. Uh, so here's for your for your uh, listeners. The, its name will be the Rogues of Kangwin. Kangwin is another city. It's in Avalon that is a haven for pirates. Everybody loves a pirate haven. Exactly. So okay. So, <clears throat> I, so I have to admit this isn't making Guild of San Marcos much clearer. Oh, I'm sorry. So. The Guild of San Marcos is the group that's running the games for me, and the particular campaigns will be named Heroes of Altamira, Rogues of Kangwin. If we, if I write the third one, which I have kind of vaguely in my head, it'll be that name. So each section will have its own website to talk about things, because at some point they will overlap. Okay. So, so to, to draw a quick analogy for listeners, uh, Guild of San Marcos is to RPGA as Heroes of Altamira is to Living Greyhawk? Exactly, exactly. Cool. But right now, the Guild of San Marcos consists of me and the three other game masters I've connived into helping me, because at this point, we're just at about the maximum amount of adventures that I can run per weekend and not be dragging by Sunday. Right. So you're, you're building up a, a cadre of GMs? Yes, yeah. Cool. And you, where are you and your colleagues running these games? Uh, well, we, we start every year at Total Confusion because it's 17 minutes from my house. So it's really easy for me to get. And for some reason, they keep inviting me back. Um, Just go with it. Uh, yes. I'm not going to complain. And they're all run for the, for the, entire, uh, for the entire convention. I'll run one through whatever the current one is, plus the personal agendas. Starting next year, the, we'll add the by invitation only. And then, of course, there's Domingo Gigante, uh, which I haven't talked about before. So we'll run all of those events, so it's like a full con. Mm -hmm. uh, we do the same thing at Origins. We do the same thing at, Total, at uh, Gen Con. We also run uh, one day of... Uh, open gaming convention, and that's we. I come up on Friday and run the the two most current, and then bring my scut monkey assistant to run the the two previous to that. Uh huh. And she'll run them at the same time I'm running the the two main ones, so that we've at least we've at least kind of hit the the New England area slash the big conventions. Right, because uh, for listeners who aren't aware, Total Cons in Massachusetts. Your yep. Origins and your Gen Con are Ohio and Indiana. And then yep. Open Gaming Convention, or OGC, is southern New Hampshire. And so you've got a busy convention calendar going. Uh, yes, yeah, very busy. I'm, I'm fortunate that my wife is a non-gamer, so she stays home with the kids while I go to a convention for a week. Good deal. I don't know how I've managed to get so lucky. But... There are many envious gamers out there. Domingo Gigante, Giant Sunday? Giant Sunday. It's a, actually we ripped it off from uh, from uh, the Spanish television's uh, Sabado Gigante. We just figured we're doing this big thing on Sunday, and you know, I don't know if you've ever flipped through the channels and seen that Spanish channel where they talk about the. It's a variety show that's been running forever, and the the host is really really famous, at least in uh, Spanish speaking cultures. Mm -hmm. So we just basically ripped off the name, but. What it is, is oftentimes people will come to a game with generics and say, like to get in. Again, this goes back to the, to the other campaign that uh, 
that has just the two events for character creation and won't do any more. Right. So we wanted to make it as open and accessible as possible. So on Sunday, um, when most people are not showing up to games because they're tired and been playing all weekend, mm -hmm. we, we will run one extra game, possibly two if I have two me and another game master. If you come to, to one of the games and you can't get in because I have enough players or, or you came in too late or whatever, I'm going to give you one of these Domingo Gigante cards. That guarantees you first choice of a, of a seat for this adventure on Sunday. When you sit down, and I will take the Domingo Gigante card holders first, and then I'll take anybody with generics. You sit down. Majority rules. What haven't you played? Pick any one of the games that you haven't played, and I will run it for you. So it's a great you, way for people to fill up to catch up on what they might have missed. Exactly. My plan is is as the campaign goes on and events ha, adventures have been retired, maybe people go, you know, I'd, I'd like to see how this really began because I started, you know, on episode ten. Fine, sit down. I'll run episode one for you. Cool. And that's uh, Domingo Gigante. Yes. I mean, it has, it has to be all capital letters with an exclamation point at the end. It's like, gigante! There you go. That's it. Yeah, muy bien. All right. If, uh, for people who want to know more about Guild of San Marcos and Heroes of Altamira, where should they go? Guildofsanmarcos.net. Okay. Um, they want to learn more about 7th C? Uh, 7th C. If you go to the Guildofsanmarcos.net, at the very bottom of my list, there's a links page. It's got all of the, all of the events, the, all the... the websites that still exist that have 7C information. There's a 7C wiki out there. I, I haven't looked at it in years. I'm not real positive how much information is on there. Really the best way is uh, RPG Now or uh, Drive-Thru RPG. They frequently have the PDFs on sale like half off. Oh good. The, the PDFs are out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's easy to find and cheap. Excellent. What I don't recommend is going to eBay because everything is out of print and the prices are insane. Yeah. I've actually, I've actually seen the Swordsman's Guild book, which is one of many, and frankly not one of the greatest books, going for $200. It's a speculator's market. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's frequent your, your PDF salesman is what we're saying here. Yeah. Well... And the truth is, I actually mentioned this earlier today with somebody who was asking about it. Once you've read it once, you really don't need to worry about it unless you're the game master. Mm -hmm. I occasionally have to look things up, but really, it's this is a this is a free flowing game, and and I have a policy of not letting rules lawyers slow anything down because swashbuckling doesn't go slow. Yeah, you got to keep things moving. Exactly. So I'm going to make a ruling. You're going to roll some dice. If I think you're rolling good enough, we're moving on. All right, then. And speaking of moving on, where is, is there anywhere in particular that people go to learn more about you and your work beyond Guild of San Marcos? The, the best place is the Guild of San Marcos. If you're curious what I'm doing, just ask. Okay. Yeah, people can email you through there, and then I know you have a forum as well. Yes, yeah. All right, then. Mark Edwards, creator of Heroes of Altamira, thank you very much for coming on Carnage Cast. Sure. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Carnage Cast, a production of NNEG LLC. 
all rights reserved. For more information, visit us at www.carnagecon.com.